Kate Fennessy's trying to write a novel, and Helen Brown's going to help her. Welcome to our podcast, Novel Therapy, the first time writer's clinic. Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of Novel Therapy. I'm Kate Fennessy, aspiring author and social media marketer. And I'm New York Times bestselling author Helen Brown. You got it right. Very good. <laughs> and we've got a special guest we today. Do. So exciting. It is very exciting. It's our first ever podcast guest. Um, so Helen, would you like to yes. introduce Tara? Tara We've got something to Hello. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is my voice, just yes. so you know. We've got a very exciting topic to discuss today, which is around fearlessness in writing. And I think Tara is a supreme example in that. And we can talk about that very shortly. Oh, thank you, Helen. Yes. It's very kind. And even though you're the first guest, you're already such the best guest because she's helped with technical advice, setting up the camera. <laughs> and Jonah's fallen she's, in love yes, with her. Jonah was just getting so into that purring massage session that and happened And we've got there. such a wide range of listeners now. Some people have said to you, Kate, yes. they, who is Jonah? Yeah, and some people didn't know. We forgot to mention cat. it was a cat. So I think in episode one, if you didn't, she thought it was a child. It was just some strange human that we didn't really <laughs> ever talk to but talked about. No, well, he's the official receptionist <laughs> in our clinic and he's also our butler. Yes, yeah. and he's also some sort of a soothsayer is that the right word yeah he's some sort of source of wisdom just permeating out of him oh yeah and a heat pack i think as well a heat pack as well for that (laughs) in the winter but he's very picky tara and that's why yeah it was such a compliment that he sat on your lap and i know that was pretty amazing very beautiful um and as we know last week jonah knocked off knocked over uh helen's mic probably deliberately let's be honest of course yeah. <laughs> Do you take up most of the space in a relationship? No, he does. I'm yeah. completely <laughs> submissive to his desires. Exactly. I think he was just, it was an attention grabbing exercise. So it sounded um, terrible. It sounded like I was in a hailstorm. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But you, I don't know if you can see on the video, but we do have a really nice, solid new mic stand. So we we're do. very excited. No blizzards mm-hmm. in this episode, hopefully. Mm. Um, so what we'll do is we'll start up with our checkup, which is our, you know, pre-clinic, just how's things going yes, moment. Yes. So um, I guess maybe we should start with, with you, Helen, and we can move along. Everyone oh, can check up. What I, well, I thought I was the therapist, really, so True. I don't have any problems at all. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, though? Well, this, you know how we've got a jar that we put cliche words in? Yes. Well, I have had a mental jar this week of cliche encounters with strangers i'm refusing to have cliche encounters with strangers Good. I think everyone's got so hooked into their phones they're not conscious and we're having to teach people to inter to react and, yeah. and, and communicate with yeah. us so without being creepy and if people really don't want to talk to me that's fine but i've i've taken conversations just that little bit further like a guy who's doing some painting. I said, what have you been doing lately? He said, I went to Bali. So I thought, oh, well, he's been... I said, you must have had a lovely time. He said, well, actually, I went for dental treatment. And <laughs> it's a little bit different. The waiting room in Bali was just full of Australians because mm, it was a, a fraction trend. of the price in yeah. Australia. 
And then I met another woman who told me why she and none of her three siblings were ever going to have kids. She was wow. in her late 30s. Okay. I mean, this is very good training as a mm. writer because it helps you with character development. Nothing, no person is ever just yeah. a cardboard cutout. Yeah. And they're all out there mm-hmm. desperate to tell you their stories. Well, some, most of them, some of them aren't. And some of them you don't want to know their stories. <laughs> You're so right, because I found the same thing in just highlighting our three words. Here's our journey jar for our, our YouTube viewers. The three words that are in the band on the band list currently are journey, amazing, and lovely. And it's honestly been so good, Helen, just to remind yourself, yeah, to, to wake your brain up a bit, yeah. get your brain motoring again, think about what you're saying a bit more. Yeah. Um, someone shared a quote in our Facebook group, which we'll, we'll mention later, but, um, and I went, I went to say that's lovely. And then I went, no, that's encouraging. Yeah. Much, much better Excellent. choice of word. And I was one, so proud of myself. Had, <laughs> we've had such fabulous feedback. To yeah. Them. And one of the suggestions was that we add awesome to the jar. Yeah, we've had it. That's and flagged. I'm happy to do that. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Um, I might quickly jump in with my update and then we'll throw to yours if you like, um, yeah. Tara, as well, what you've been up to. But basically, I just want to shout out to this is very dorky of me, but I'm obsessed currently with. Portrait Artist of the Year. Does anyone watch that? It's it's. I'm not oh, in the right demographic. No, you're not. No, but I love it. It's watching artists paint portraits. It's a competition. Isn't there afternoon television? Yeah, but I love <laughs> it. I really, really love it. It's on Tuesday nights on Foxtel, and I. Oh, it's night time. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I just I know it's really dorky, but I really enjoy it. I just love watching artists because I can't paint for anything. Um, like I can't draw. So I just find it but it's a similar process to what we're talking about. Very and I much. love watching their different approaches. Some of them get really formulaic and do a grid and get really they draw it very carefully. Others just slap the paint on and go wild. Some of them do two in the in the allotted four hour period. I just love watching their different approaches and I know it's really dorky of me, but that's my current obsession. <laughs> um what about you, Tara? What have you been <clears throat> Um, I don't lately. Think, I don't think the program's dorky, but I think maybe just having Foxtel is I, the is the generation <laughs> barrier. You know, that, you know what that is? That is an inheritance. That is I got it in the in my divorce. I'm not even kidding. And every time I try and break up with Foxtel, they give me a ridiculously good offer. No. But I'm getting. I know you're so they'll right. Never, they'll never let you leave. Thank you so Legend. much for shining this truth into my face. I'm no. ashamed. That's the only. I just have no idea what that is. Oh um. <laughs> I love it. This is what happened when you have twenty-year-old guests. But They're what like are you Fox Show on Foxtel. No Netflix. On oh, Netflix. Well, I, yeah. I, I so watch what are you Netflix. watching on Netflix? Oh, I am obsessed with David Chang's new show, Ugly Delicious. Oh, have you? No, seen it? I haven't. Heard oh, it's of amazing. It. So it's like his big thing is that he does a lot of like fusion foods. So he fuses. He comes from a Korean background. Cool. And they made this really traditional noodle bar, and it did poorly. And he wasn't getting anyone through the door. And he thought like stuff this and then just started making all different kinds of really crazy Korean American mixed food and his like noodle bar went nuts people loved it because they'd never experienced it before yeah so the tv show is him exploring like fusion food and migration and how like the two really blend in together and I just never really think about food as an art form but what after watching the show I was like oh my god it's just another way that we express and connect with each other. So yeah. it's really, yeah, it's really good. I, I would definitely we, recommend it. We can apply that to writing too, you know, yeah, rowing in crazy ideas. Yeah. I love that poetry's coming back because yeah. people's attention's 
bands have shrunk. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I follow a poet on Instagram. Not Instagram, Facebook. Actually, I follow a poet on Instagram too. Yeah, it's it's a new interesting way for poetry to come into the mix. Very interesting. I feel very shamed about Foxtel. I'm just going to talk that <laughs> and I'm going to put it on my to-do list. I do watch Netflix, so I just want you to know that. Okay, do. No, it's just strange. I forget that Foxtel is a thing <laughs> oh my God, I'm for me. So like my parents have it and I'm always like, why do you have it? This? <laughs> All right. I feel like we need to open the clinic. So okay. I'm going to let now. Helen tell the story of, All right, yeah. of how I met Tara. Yes. I feel I really want you to meet Tara because last week we spoke about sending out naked emotional selfies of ourselves and you were feeling very nervous about sharing very personal aspects of your story. Correct, yeah. And I thought that was very – it's an an inhibiting factor. Right. And I think every writer has it. Mm. But anyway, one morning I was across the road at Teaspoon where I have my coffees (laughs) and – Tara, in between being a qualified, nearly qualified lawyer. Yeah, almost, yeah. Is a fantastic barista over there, soon to become a barrister, I'm sure. (laughs) Brilliant. Anyway, I was sitting, drinking my takeaway coffee on the stool where sometimes you're allowed to sit with your takeaway coffee, and I heard this amazing story unfolding. And it was Tara's voice reading to another one of the... Yeah, my friend Alice, um, I'd been like talking to her about it and she really wanted to hear it. Okay. So I was like, all right, I'll read you what I've got so far. Oh, wow. God, this is Hannah Gatsby on speed. This this young woman is fearless. And the story she's willing to put out to the public is going to be so helpful for all of us and healing and to understand what the next generation of writers is bringing. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then I invited Tara over here to the house and we had a bit of a chat. Yeah. And she told me the story of why she decided to become a lawyer from her very early childhood memories. And I thought if you're willing to share that, we'd start with that. Yeah. Um, ooh. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that, that's a very, uh, I don't, I go for a lot of interviews because I've just started. And they always ask me in the interview, like, why did you want to become a lawyer? And I find that really difficult to answer to complete strangers. So I normally, like, lie or say things that are true, but it's not my main motivating factor. You Mm -hmm. can't lie in this clinic. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. Well, um, I think most people get into law, uh, a person much smarter than me told me for two reasons. One, um, the BMW. we, we, yeah, we want money and stability okay. and our parents were lawyers and that's yeah. a lot of people continue those yeah. traditions. And then the other reason was that people have experienced injustice in their lives okay. and they're motivated because they want to see the world shaped as a more fair place. So when I was a kid, I grew up in a like village environment. In and, Bali? In Bali, yeah. yeah on the main... So I grew up in Sonor, which is like in the southeast yeah. of Bali. Um, That's quite touristy, isn't it? It's a lot of Europeans tend to go there. It's mm. much slower. It's not like Kuda or okay. Legian where there's a lot of like international development and stuff. Yeah. It's a way slower. Yeah. 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 So my village um, is about 10 minutes inland from the coast. Okay. 
And I lived with my aunt and uncle mostly, but my mom and my dad were there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this memory, and I must have only been about three years old. And we have banjars, which are like our temples or our like community-based homes. Mm. And I remember hearing like this gong being rung and my older cousins were all flocking in and it was pouring down with rain. And before I knew it, my older brother, who's about three years older than me, grabbed my wrist and we're like running through this crowd and pushing to get in the front. Mm -hmm. And we're standing at the front of this giant circle and in the middle is this man and he's like holding a television and the crowd um, stone him to death. Uh, It's a very like troublesome scene when you're young and you just see him sort of die then the the crowd just like evaporates and we went back to where we were staying and I remember that memory being like pretty rough and hard to see um how old were you sorry three you were three yeah I was really really young but when I and then I think I developed this um thing where I wanted to help people lots and whenever people ask me what I wanted to be, I would say like a doctor. But then as I got a little bit older, I realized that it it wasn't really medicine that could have saved him. It would have been like, it's just a really cruel way to kind of execute justice. So the idea was that he'd stolen this television from the local church. And that yeah, the village, the village mentality was that. So I saw um, that to be... You know, so yeah, this is incredibly how, unfair. It's a bit personal, but how yeah. old? How how long ago is this? Like twenty years ago, twenty. It would have years been ago. yeah, it would have been twenty five years ago. <sighs> but it took a long time for me to even realize mm, how. Yeah, like yeah. I knew that that had sort of happened, but then as I grew older, I wasn't sure if it was a dream. Mm. So when I went back to Bali uh, this time last year, I spoke to my cousin about it. I was yeah. like, I remember this story. And they have a very different attitude to death okay. and um, ju- like justice as, as we do from like a Western lens. <clears throat> and I remember asking my cousin, like, what happened? And he was like, oh, um, he didn't actually steal it from the church. He was a bookie and this guy ha- owed him money. So he went to his house to follow up on the money. And then he said, well, I'll, I'll take your TV until you can pay me back what you owe oh, me from right. the gambling. Okay. And then the he ran out onto the street and said, like, this guy's stealing my television, like, help. And then the man holding the TV panicked and he started, like, running. And then people stopped him and then they stoned him. God, and so, so he wasn't actually even doing it. No. And I remember Far my cousin out. telling me and That's then I was like, this is worse. Yeah, yeah this is way, <laughs> way Shit. worse. That is intense. Yeah. So I think it's... um. Growing up in that, like, it's reflective of, I guess, the justice climate that we have at the moment, I feel like, with so much misinformation um, mm-hmm. and we see the way that that misinformation shapes our society, like, politically, mm-hmm. socially. Um, so I think that those are big motivating factors for me to stay, like, within our legal system. Because yeah. wow. um, you do yeah. hear about things happening like this even now don't you in communities where some mad story is spread through phones and people decide to go and execute Mm. somebody exactly it's echoed in so many things like um the way that we do 
I don't know, it's like guerrilla justice almost mm. where people post things on social media and then that you watch that spread right. and then cancel people culture. It's yeah. a similar oh, attitude. I, you know, I this hate idea, that idea Helen, that, you know, there was a feud recently between two YouTubers in the beauty. I think it was the beauty industry, YouTube world. And they, you know, they've got huge profiles and everything's everything's dependent on their audience size um, and their, I guess, popularity. That's how they selling and existing and, earning a living and when they have a feud sometimes it becomes public one person calls out the other and says to all their fans which become an army go and hate this person go and unsubscribe go and destroy them so people can get destroyed now yeah um it's called cancel culture people get cancelled and it's incredibly terrifying um i mean i imagine it would just be i think it's one of those things on all fronts where it's just a really ineffective way to deal with problems yeah um and that's why I think I love storytelling so much because you can create multi-dimensional people and I really enjoy combating this idea that there are like bad or good people because it's just mm. not true. Everyone is capable of doing like positive or negative behaviors and we all have our own demons in the way that we're shaped and the the idea that someone can do something wrong or have an impact and not understand and then their whole art everything about them is cancelled and as well the person who is like wronged initially doesn't get any closure around that and most of the time they also end up feeling alienated it's just yeah Mm. it's i just think it's ineffective is probably the best way for me to describe things like that this is a very pivotal part of who you are but this isn't what you were uh telling your co-worker about that day no no This is another element of your story that mm. I'd love you to share with us today. Yeah. So the story... You're, you're quite a high-born Balinese girl, aren't you? Yeah, I am. So the way that it kind of works in Bali is that you follow um, like the male uh, okay. line. So the bloodline is inherited from your father. Right. And my dad's family um, are part of like the... Uh, it's called Manawaba, which is like this part of the high caste. So okay. the way that the story is told is that there's a high priest who like saves Bali and he has four wives and one of the wives um, is Manawaba. So my family, my dad's family line can be traced to that to one initial of those original four wife. wives. Yeah, and that's how you get the caste system. So you have like high caste Balinese people which are um, originate from that line and then you have like the lower caste underneath. It's like a royalty type of system. Yeah, it is. Um, You have certain responsibilities culturally. You're like the cultural gatekeepers. And I think when I was younger, I found it really oppressive. But as I've aged, I've become more appreciative of it because it keeps your... um, It keeps your culture like a central part of your identity. Mm, So when tourists come, we have so much tourism in Bali. Yeah, of course. We can remain largely unaffected or our culture can still remain quite strong. Protected by those traditions. Yeah, because it's such a big part of who you are. But yeah, it is also pretty um, oppressive in some ways, especially for women, because you can't like there's a lot of pressure to marry mm. another high caste man okay. to keep your bloodline yep. and to have high caste children and it, like they say it's changing but i think that um it's not really okay like there's a lot of expectations that come with it mm-hmm. um, so how's the pressure been exerted on you personally well um 
this may surprise people. No, I, I mean, like, if you look at the YouTube video, you'll probably tell, but I'm very queer. So, um, you're very gorgeous. I'm, She's very gorgeous, you. and her skin is beautiful. And I'm, I want yes. <laughs> skin is beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's very, I'm feeling very white because it's been winter here for six years now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes. we're in That's our seventh, right. in our seventh yeah. year, actually, next yeah. week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the idea was that I had these two really conflicting um, mm. parts of it's myself. almost the absolute opposite, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where I like, I think mm. to be inherently queer nowadays is to do a lot of deconstructing. We, like the queer community, deconstruct gender constantly and sexuality. And then when it comes to this concept of race, I found race to be... Um, much more rigid because okay. we have these like genetic markers. Yep, and so that's it's, it. Yeah, so it's difficult to be mm. someone who is mixed race living in um, like a white society. Because mm. yep. your mum's Australian? Yep. Yeah, she's Australian and he's, and, yeah, yeah. And he's Balinese. Right, yeah, yeah. So um, I have all of the cultural responsibilities coming from my dad. Right. And my mum, they, they divorced when I was quite young. Mm-hmm. And my mum isn't really involved with that in any way. Mm-hmm. So it's strange to live in this duality. I lived between mm-hmm. my mum and my dad's place. Okay. So growing up. Did and, that feel like two different cultures? Like Yeah, it was yeah, very, very, it was a very, um, two very different parenting styles. Wow. <laughs> like different ideologies. So you're yeah, raised okay. like being like a good Balinese girl like in one hand and then being like a rebellious like Australian Australian yeah. teenager you know on the other mm. and then but throughout both of these um experiences I was like very queer I have been okay. for a really yeah. long time so like when, I was yeah, never when did you realize you were queer? oh god because you I wanted, remember, what like, did you want? Lesbian Barbies. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> did you make them smooch? <laughs> All the time. Good. All the time. Um, yeah, I can't. Oh God, I remember being in prime, like kindergarten, and I had this one boy who was obsessed with me, <laughs> who used to call me um, Cupcake, and I would burst into tears. Aww. I hated him. <laughs> See, I would have loved that. My little girl. Yeah. yeah. My mum would be like, it's a good thing. It's a Aww, cute name. It's a cute, yeah, yeah. And I remember he like kissed it. me yeah. and I like lost it. Yeah, I, I hated yeah, him. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> from a very young age. Yeah. You were not a cupcake. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was a really difficult, um, for me to kind of come to terms with is how I dealt with kind of the pressures of being, in that I guess like that type of Balinese person yeah and with wanting to have my autonomy but also like respecting oh it was a lot there was so much going on so in this story that Helen overheard I basically talked about how um I couldn't really process it when I was young Mm. so I'd sort of I didn't want to be um Balinese I just wanted to be white okay and I kind of probably shamed and like pushed aside that part of who I was um and then lived a very happy life but could never really assimilate into white culture seamlessly because I'm not white (laughs) so people would be like like where are you from and I was very ashamed of coming from that like village background um yeah people don't I think I was always nervous that people wouldn't really understand or accept Yeah. yeah Um, Mm -hmm. and then as I got older, kind of reconnecting with my Balinese side, and then I was like, okay, well, part of me 
feels accepted and is validated and loves this culture, but at all points in time that is going to be naturally conflicting with my like queer identity mm-hmm. and how do I be like a queer Balinese woman? Yeah. Because I didn't have any role models. Mm-hmm. And it's almost so specific, isn't it? Your yeah, particular it's... cards that you were given are very, you know, they got the mixed race thing and then the yeah. sexuality and then and then the line of your family and plus having been born in Bali and then moving to Australia there's a lot of elements there yeah I yeah. don't know I don't no, really yeah, know anyone with the same yeah sort of, yeah and I think I used to be very afraid of of that of feeling yeah. like I was walking this path alone that yeah. no one else has really done before do you know what's funny because as soon as I see it and having met you it's 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 fabulous like it's so interesting like how unique and wonderful to have yeah. that set of interesting but things part, but when you're a kid yeah that's part it's of terrifying. Tara's strength though because she's done so much as they would say work on getting to this point <laughs> you know it's very yeah. admirable yeah. yeah it was hard and it's hard as well to face up to mm. I guess, um, like, the shame that you put on yourself and how you let that fear feed and feeling like you can claim back, you know, that autonomy around being afraid of aspects of who you are and accepting who Mm. you are as a whole thing and being like, okay, well, I don't actually have to make these two parts Mm. completely chill with each other occasionally they're going to flare up yeah and that's that's fine I think I was always kind of hung up on um typical like a type law (laughs) student like I wanted to know how to do it right like I wanted to know how to navigate these things properly so I was like looking for mentors and looking for ways that I could navigate it but no one's story is exactly the same as your own of course and when you start to make peace with the fact that there's no wrong or right way to do your own identity and who you are Mm. I could really relax into it and all of that like shame and fear kind of melted away because I don't have to worry about it Mm. But it's still – I say that, but I still haven't talked to my dad about being queer. Okay. He's, like, pretty chill about some things, yeah. but it's a difficult thing to talk about. And I think even just in Asian culture in general, like, mm. my dad would be like, why are you telling me about your dating life or your sex life? Mm. Like, I don't okay. need to know about it. So mm. it's, hard, it's hard. I've tried so many times to have that conversation, but well, I think he's not there yet. Maybe he doesn't need to hear it. Maybe yeah. it's not about sex. Maybe it's about love, you mm. know. Or, and yeah, love and happiness yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very broad thing mm. when we spoke last time you told me you're still feeling under a bit of pressure to marry a prince from Ubud <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah we all get that no, <laughs> yes the, how how I like don't. yeah I like had this really lovely trip where I did my like um kind of like a pilgrimage where you go to every big temple and you pray okay. and I was feeling really like into my Balinese self when I was loving it um and then sort of two days before I went I spent a month with my family sort of two days before I went back my stepmom was like maybe it's time that you thought about marriage and I was like wow what are you not reading here is this your father's wife yeah Yeah. so you reckon she would know deep down I don't know. It's always so hard with these things. I think as well, some people say that um, a lot of Asian cultures see like same-sex relationships as good 
practice or training tools for marriage or like they don't really view marriage as like a <laughs> romantic thing yeah i think uh, it's like a normal okay. they part don't of view growing marriage up. as a romantic thing that no, makes sense it's, it's more a partnership yeah it's like a union between two families right. or like a um economic arrangement okay. so here we have a very individualist society where we also have like pension and things like that and everyone works for themselves and then your kids leave and then you work and then you save up and you retire and you retire on the money that you've made the asian system is very much like you will never like you don't leave home you live with your parents and your grandparents mm. if you're a woman you'll move into the husband's house yeah with and his parents. yeah and yeah. then you earn and then you support your parents and you support your children and then when you get older your children support yeah and being totally being system. queer like totally ruins that like what did you say to your stepmother i just told her i was never going to get married that was courageous yeah yeah i just said i'm not i mm. just don't think that's for me and she said are you sure um mm. it's good you can help each other out and i was like well I just don't think I'll, I want to mm. do it. I want to do that. And she was really like, I, I was the same at your age. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow, that's a whole different, if yeah, you were, that's a whole not. different conversation. Would you consider marrying a woman? I mean, is it? Um, yes. I have this really like beautiful daydream of like just going with like a, a female partner and being like we're getting married mm. because it's never been well, an issue lovely to have a beautiful daydream yeah and then just being like if what? i'm if i'm really your princess i can do whatever i want like exactly. really like you roman be the rebel empire princess, princess. <laughs> yeah the wife and yeah. just do and just change just to tweak that little system a bit well none of the scriptures that we have say that you can't do that I like it. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just, I guess it just, I would, I would probably do it. So, I mean, it's obviously a lot of pressure to put on a partner. Let's go liberate some people, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to try uh, and do it anyway and just see what happens. Yeah. The right partner won't see this pressure. Yeah. I think yeah. what you're doing is so valuable because it educates our generations, mm. you know, I don't know how many generations down you are from me, but you're a different generation from mm. Kate mm. and you're a different generation from Hannah Gadsby, you know. Yeah. And and somehow or other, I know there's hurt and I know there must be rage involved in mm. dealing with the things that you've dealt with. But it seems to me your generation may be equipped to rise above the rage, mm. yeah. educate us and get into your own power you know which would i love that yeah and that's why i wanted you to come on today i'm I'm feeling um brave just by hearing this story honestly so what's like what are you going to be writing about what do you feel afraid look my thing to be the the way you said that you know when people ask you why did you become a lawyer and you you've got that choice you can lie you can fudge it or pick a part of the truth i mean a big story of mine is my mother killed herself when I was 21 years old and I I related to when you said that because um I used to have that little period where I'd guess would I lie do I say one day I Mm. thought maybe I'll just say she had cancer but I thought I can't lie that's then they'll say what cancer and I'll be like I don't know like I've been in that place where I felt shame um about her death and I hated what it meant people might have thought about my family myself 
Um, so that's probably my brave story. I'm not. I'm actually not putting mum's um, death in my novel. I, I've done that thing we talked about last week, Helen, of the gushy write for yourself thing. I actually did it early on with my sister, who is currently writing about mum's death. Mum died t- um, coming up for 20 years ago. So wow. it's a long time ago now. So my sister Jane is writing about mum's death, but it, early on I wrote about it in a really... Oh, I don't even know. It's traumatic for me to even remember writing about it back then. Mm. Um, but I guess I'm not ready to write about mum's death. This book, um, this novel that I'm attempting is, you know, in a in a, my more recent life where I got married um, at 30. At 29, I was very keen on, because I, I was a single mum, and I was very keen on suddenly having, like, the norm. You know, it's like what you talked about. I, I didn't want to be yeah. the girl whose mum has committed suicide. I'd become a young mother, a single mother by 25, and I didn't like it either. I didn't like that I didn't fit in at the inner city school where my daughter was. I was a misfit. I had an old car. I was single. I had a dead mum. I didn't like it. And so I wanted so desperately this husband to suddenly make me look normal. Yeah. And I wanted to give a sibling to Emmy. I think that was um, a bit what's that word? Like, I think that was a natural drive as well. Hormonal. Hormonal or whatever the word is. <laughs> um, yes, but I would say that what I'm exploring in this novel is the fact that the man I chose to marry ended up being a fraud. He was he was not who he, who he um, presented himself to be. He was cheating on me um, the whole time, the whole time throughout the marriage, but I only yeah. found out at the end. So I was with him for eight years, trying desperately to cobble together a normal life that looked normal on the outside so that those scars, mm. those that shame, I could project. I, I don't even know why I cared, but I wanted to stand at the gates of Ripponlea Primary and fit in. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, occasionally ideas for titles come up. <laughs> that could be one, a normal life, you know. With, it's what I wanted, you know. Yeah. Um, what or is or Ripponlea Primary. That's <laughs> your, that's your, <laughs> but, you know, the but ridiculous thing is why did I even care about those women at Ripponlea Primary? But anyway, um, that that's, I guess, so I'm, you know, I'm not running about mum's death because it's still, that's a whole separate topic for me and yeah um what I'm just doing in this novel is focusing on this last probably well five let's say five years of my life where you got into the wrong relationship for the wrong reasons it'd be like if you married your prince from a bud like you know it's going to unravel that relationship unraveled yeah maybe I could (laughs) exactly I thought about it before I don't want to work anymore together you know I don't want to I don't want to work you know your princess yeah (laughs) we'll all move to a bud Helen you can't anyway Um, yeah you'd get a great that could be a movie couldn't it oh look and that's the thing I just for me so unpacking this last chapter of why I ended up marrying a man who totally cheated on me it's related to mum's death and it's related mm. to that desire yeah. to fit in. Yeah, yeah totally. So, totally. I'm unpack- so in unpacking that, almost because mum's death is so big and overwhelming, I'm not ready to do that now. I think with her 20-year anniversary coming up and the fact that my sister's writing about it, and we're going to interview her soon, mm. um, when I read Jane's first few chapters, I have not cried like that. I, I sent her a photo, an emotional selfie, not a oh. nude one, of just the tears because mm. I haven't, that's still very deep inside. And for her to just tell the story very simply from her point of view, um, that's enough for me right now, even just on that. Do you know mm. what I mean? Just to read that and support her and for me to focus on this story. I'm a 40-year-old woman, so I'm trying to focus on when a woman in this case goes down the wrong track and gets hurt and rises above it. So I'm I'm just trying to focus on one thing, which is 
you, you found yourself in a shitty situation, you got really hurt, but you're actually going to be better off. Because mm-hmm. in the end, I don't want it to be cliched, but I want this woman to get on the right track through being pummeled and being hurt and being on the wrong track. Does that you know, yeah. I don't think we've once used the word journey, have we? I hope not. I don't think so. Or amazing. Good. So it's been a really <laughs> We're all learning. exchange. <laughs> really. Yeah. And Tara, are you going to put yours into a book someday? Or are you I just... de- yeah, I definitely will. Um, I just haven't... It's been hard to... Uh, I think I'd like to explore a different medium for a little while. Yeah, well, they're just so many different outlets. Yeah, there, I, I want to play around with um, like a like visual yeah, landscapes, go for it. and then like how you move through a visual landscape in kind of like an interactive way. Because it's very difficult to encourage anyone to become a writer because. In Australia, the average income for a writer is just over $13,000 a yeah. year. That's one three. And, <laughs> and, and it's pretty much the same in the US yeah. and the UK. So it's not really a no. career move, but it can be part of a mosaic. I keep kicking the table, sorry. Um, <laughs> of a mosaic of, of your career or who you are. You know. Yeah. yeah, I think that I'll definitely... I mean, I love words. I me too but I love too. people yeah. and yeah. I love and life stories. stories we've all said yeah. that this morning having a cup of tea like we all love stories and I think hearing your story has made me feel strong enough to even tell that story which I'm yes. not I'm not used to telling that even just what I just said that's yeah. still new for me well it's uncomfortable it's, it's uncomfortable yes. yeah I think the uncomfortable thing as well is like you acknowledge that you know like this pain mm. which happened like a long time ago now, you probably feel like you couldn't feel that anymore. You wanted to move past it. So maybe getting into a Correct. stressful relationship mm. may, meant that you could still process those emotions because you were in a stressful relationship, but mm. without addressing like the underlying thing. Yeah. And I can see that a lot in, yes, I can, mm. I can see that response to grief when I think broadly of mum and how the fallout affected a lot of my family. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's easier to say like, it's this thing that I can see and that's tangible in front of oh, me instead right. of like, it's a thing that yeah. I can't have any control over or change. And I just have to sit mm. in the uncomfortability of, mm-hmm. of that like pain. It's yes. hard. Like most of, I don't know anyone who's ever been able to really just like sit with that uncomfortability no, and be it's human nature. Okay we don't like it. it. We don't oh, like yeah. feeling uncomfortable. And you're right. I was so focused in that eight year relationship of, I did, I wanted to push mum's death under the carpet. I wanted to. The trouble um, is you can't do that because no. these things boil up, no, don't they? No. And you can get sick or mm. you end up having to confront it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But I think yeah. that thing that you talked about, about identity and shame, I really relate to that. In, mm. Obviously, oh, it's a very yeah. different story, but um, it's very much part of it, isn't it? And that ability to own your story and tell it is so important. Yeah, I've had a friend who's um, who lost her mum at a young age, and I remember her saying to me, like, oh, I just don't want to be someone with a dead mom mm, like uh like you know when when i talk to people about it it's just like the obvious thing that i'd have issues from there but that's i'm like way more complicated than that like i don't want to be that person yeah. and i was a bit like you've n- actually never talked about it or confronted mm. it because you don't want to be like a trope or something yeah. yeah and that's i think that's really difficult too yeah because maybe the way that, that it's represented in the media doesn't represent you or your experience mm. so then you're like oh well i'm not this like um like what's Mm. the word like 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it like, is a trope or a, yeah, exactly. I'm not this sad character. Yeah. This symbol, yeah. yeah. Do you know what yeah. I think it was? Years ago when I used to watch crap TV, I still watch crap TV. Um, <laughs> I was watching early seasons of, uh, what is it? Australia, um, what's uh, the singing one? Australia's uh, Got Talent. Australian uh, Idol? Australian Idol, sorry. I'm sure it was Australian <laughs> Idol or maybe it was The Voice. Who knows? Well, it was one of those shows. I remember they did, you know how they do their formulaic thing, which is find a person with a story, put her on stage. So they found this person with her story and her story was that her mum killed herself too. And I thought, God, oh. and I hated watching yeah. it because I thought, God, is that what I look like? Is oh, that what someone dear. would grab of me, a producer, yeah. and go, Kate, let's tell the sad story of your life yeah. imploding. It's like it's that same thing same that your thing. friend was saying, not wanting to be just that. Yes, yeah. it's part of my story. but yeah. And I hated I remember just watching that thinking, gross, I don't ever mm. want to be that girl. You know, sometimes this sort of stuff can propel you forwards, though, because I remember mm. after my son Sam died in 1983, Living in Wellington, which by comparison to Melbourne is a relatively small town. And every, you know, I was trying to deal with this trauma and everywhere I went, people Mm. would either burst into tears in front of me or say, I know what you're feeling. And everywhere I went, I was the grieving mother. And Mm. I thought, I'm so much more. And it actually gave me the push to leave Wellington and go to Auckland and start a new life and take a job mm. on a newspaper full-time job so you know can you can use all yeah, that I relate to that too energy. and we talked about that in episode one we talked about the why of writing and that, and I think in various ways it came out in both our stories that desire to push you forward into a new chapter of your own life or yeah. you know a desire to own your story you know and yeah. for me this novel like I said it's one element and it's what I it's where I'm at right now because to be honest what happened with my marriage was bloody devastating and I was really hurt on top of carrying old hurt mm, so yeah. I, I'm processing that now because that's what I'm ready to do but yeah it, it is that thing of in doing that I'm somehow pushing through to the next phase mm. that will be me that owns that story and I'm going to be stronger yes you know um and potentially yeah. help others yeah which I think, that's the bonus isn't yeah. it and you're right because it's not about money I don't 13 grand is not going to motivate me that's, <laughs> that's working full time exactly. I, <laughs> I mean I mean it's it's not and you're right if, if one or two women in particular could look at my story and perhaps, and it just makes me realize how global it is. These identity issues, this yeah. striving to be someone you're not, and that's what yeah. I'm, I'm trying to create a bit of a bumbly character who's just desperate for to get pregnant. In in the case of my character, she wants to get pregnant because that's going to be the perfect solution to mm. everything. Mm. The same way I thought my ex was the perfect solution to everything, he wasn't. Yeah, you know, and I've had to grow and be my own person so that any future partner will not be put in that position by me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. interesting if you spend so long running away from, yeah. like, grief. Yes. But then at the end of the day, it's the only thing that helps. And it's like, I don't want to. <laughs> it's like, I don't you, wanna. you have to because it's the only thing that will make you feel better. Yeah. It's like, but I don't want to do it. It's, you befriend yourself because that's yeah. your ultimate counsellor. I remember uh, lying in bed after having a mastectomy, staring up at the ceiling thinking, you know, and I'd have the family come and visit and I'd need to see them and love to see them, but I also needed them to go (laughs) so I could lie there (laughs) in the room and stare at the ceiling and seriously make friends with myself in case I was dying, you know? Mm. And I think that's almost the whole challenge of being alive is Mm. actually to love this person because they're the yeah. only person you're going to sleep with 
Correct. From and wake up with. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. All all of your life. Correct. And they're the only person who you can guarantee will be there when you die. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a really, <laughs> it's an important mission. Mm. My auntie always says that. She says at the end of the day, Kate, we're all alone. Like, well, she's just had breast cancer. Yeah, so she she's has. gone That's through right. that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. I almost mm. miss that feeling of thinking I'm going to die because Every day is so magical. It shimmers. You walk really? down the street and every encounter is so important because it might be your third to last encounter. And, you know, wow. the trees, the nature, everything. And if you could live like that every day, live like you're dying. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm. We need a death wish or a disease, Tara. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. <laughs> It's been a such an inspiring conversation already. I love it, and it's it's this for us is a new experience. This whole podcast, yeah. this is us doing differently and living a bit like that, isn't it? Really, yeah. this is us just throwing it open. And, and Tara's done that by coming along. Yeah, yes. she's she's our first oh, it's guest. been it's nice. So good. Oh. Should we move into the diagnosis phase, Helen? Oh, I don't well, know okay, if you yeah, feel or if you got sorry. That, no, you got I more? just there was some a couple of bits of sure, feedback sure, sure, that go. I wanted to yeah. share. Look. We are just so loving the feedback yeah, from we people. Are. And Thank I can't so believe much. within two days, 45 people Something joined Something like that, our, our Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, and we, look, we love any it. feedback and those stars, we've got five yeah, stars. Yeah, we've got, got I think, about eight reviews on nine, our podcast. Nine, nine, nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so keep it up. Like we're counting. We're, Not that we're obsessed, <laughs> but we love it. Rich. And I love that Cindy in Canada Cindy's has been set amazing. up their desk against the wall so she hasn't got a view because I think a, a, a desk with a view is really distracting for a writer and she's done that and she's put up a yeah Jonah I saw that photo. <laughs> but look um from um, we've had wonderful feedback from overseas Edie Tassi who's my Italian translator okay. oh, she's wow. the most gorgeous woman yeah and she's been listening to the podcast cool. and she said she's going to be running a course at something called the Happiness Academy okay. in October, yeah. and she's going to recommend the podcast oh to my her, God. her people. Because Thank you. That's so all, amazing. The whole theme of what she's going to be talking about is how writing can make people happier. Right. So I'm really oh, thrilled with that. That's amazing. And I've got this rather stunning agent in New York who would never compliment you okay. for no reason. Yeah, I like those she's people. She's so gritty, and she said, you are so authentic and honest together that it's an enthralling listen. So what a great thanks. word. Enthralling. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so no, thanks, it's been Anne. the same for me. I've had neighbours, a couple of women from my book club have like recommended the podcast on their own wow. social media. Wow. Thank um, you. I've Just had cousins and yeah, yeah, it's been lovely. People are listening and um, yeah, it's it's so Tara, you better amazing. ask some of your friends too. <laughs> I definitely will. Because we want, yeah, yeah some yeah. 20-something. I'll have to make sure I grab your, yeah. your Instagram There's lots handle. of young authors out there that are doing interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And experimenting with poetry and mm. all kinds of stuff. Mm. So it's nice to see that it's changing yes. and how yeah. it evolves. Kind of has to. Mm. Definitely. So, yeah, do you feel, Helen, that you need to give any of us either oh, of us a diagnosis well, look, honestly, based on this? you have both reduced me to silence through most of the session today because you have both told your stories so beautifully and with such truth Mm. that I thought my main task was really to just sit and listen Mm. and actually to listen and to be thoroughly 
present has been my honor today. Oh, oh, thank you. Helen. Yeah, I know we're going to get really gooey now. But yeah, but thank you, honestly, because so, I yeah. feel that you sharing your story with us today has been, It's I can feel a, a real flow on effect of feeling a bit brave. Good. That's and what ownership. I was hoping for. Good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've infused me just by having was, Tara here. That's so exactly thank you. I really appreciate it. And that's a strength, that's a power. And especially as a younger person with beautiful skin. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got that power. I'm forty, you know, like I'm just stepping into this now. So if you're stepping into it in your late twenties, is it yeah. late twenties? I mean that's awesome. You you awesome? That's oh, an okay word. No, I think Donna. that's not official yet. It's oh. awesome in it. It was amazing that was in no, it. No, but one of our oh, it's probably gonna be yeah, all right. I think that's Sorry, it's not awesome. It's uh Inspiring. inspiring. It is inspiring. It's, That's going to be the next word. I know. It's going to be like, we'll just have tape on our mouths. <laughs> It'll be a silent podcast very <laughs> soon. We'll be like, and? Hello. But. <laughs> <laughs> no. but yeah, but that is um, very exciting. And I, I will make sure we um, connect our listeners to you or whoever um, because people might want to follow your story and nearly said the j word um and hopefully there'll be ways in the future that you know whatever you produce yeah. whether it's art or i'll keep you please keep us posted yeah, yeah. Do. please do yeah that would be amazing <gasps> that would be good i mean great I don't know, I'm getting <laughs> it'll be a fantastic journey lovely <laughs> yes. amazing yeah, oh my and gosh. awesome <laughs> now a quick little thing just to finish up we've been doing a little thing at the end called Planet Social because for work I do social media marketing for businesses. I left advertising a couple of years ago. I just wanted to quickly touch on one thing, which was I did a presentation yesterday to a group of wedding industry um, people in oh, the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. yeah, they're all lovely. I've done it twice now. Do that was my second time. Uber'd? I bet you they do. If they're smart. If they're smart, they would. Um, so yesterday I presented on Instagram because people had been panicking about, you know, Instagram engagement's down and the likes have disappeared and what's going on. And my basic um, summary yesterday was that don't panic. It's it's um, All these platforms are still, you know, we're at the behest, is that the right way to say it, like, of what happens with these platforms. When they get more popular, things change and algorithms are introduced and Sometimes it's frustrating, but I was basically saying, keep on, you know, connecting with people because that's what it's all about, basically, is connecting with your desired audience. And the one message I guess I wanted to share with our listeners is to consider stories because, yes, apparently, according to some studies, Instagram engagement in the feed is down by about 18%. Someone's done a study. However... Our stories are growing 15 times faster oh, than feed posts. But so don't stories, stories disappear in 24 hours? They do, hours. but that makes them lusciously um, <laughs> spontaneous. So Can't they just hang I around? I like them. They, they can. You can put them in your highlight reel. Oh, I'll have to show you how to do this. I know. It's okay. But that was my message was, yes, while engagement is down in the feed, it's certainly not down in stories. And beyond that, it's definitely not down in IGTV, which is the next kind of level of Instagram video. And I guess the, the general message is video 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 that is very much what people are consuming um so you know video maybe storytelling it goes really well you oh know, yeah doesn't it i mean it's i think people are consume are just used to now consuming more and more um but information also that meet way. some real people and oh, look into their eyes and see the story that's behind their eyes well, and that's true if they want to share that with you encourage that to come out because it's yeah. nothing that beats that no i yeah. agree i mean the scale of video like when you think of i think myths on at the moment isn't it or soon melbourne international film festival like yeah. that to me is storytelling through scale because you've told the story beautifully on film people can all 
assemble mm. and watch it, which is great. But you're right. I think eavesdropping in cafes, which is one of Helen's pastimes, <laughs> is a good way to <laughs> hear stories. <laughs> I think you're right. It's a mix of online and offline, but yeah, that was the main point was that stories are not, you know, stories are a good place to check out to be in Instagram land. So that is really that, mm-hmm. and I Thank think you. that's pretty much it. Um, in terms of yes, the Facebook group, we're very excited um, to invite anyone who's a listener to join. All you have to do now is search novel therapy podcast in Facebook, and make sure you're searching for a group if it doesn't come up. You just have to request to join and we will absolutely usher you into the group. 46, I believe, growing strong, (laughs) mostly people that we know, but it'd be nice to have some new people in there. So jump in there because we're going to try and be very diligent about popping all links in there. It's all in one place. It's a Mm. bit easier. We'll make sure we put all all our own social other accounts in there, but at least it's in one spot. So I don't have to read out the big long list now from last week. Um, and that was about it, really. Other than that, I just wanted to say my official word count is 6,422 for those so who are keeping track. I'm hoping that next week maybe yes. you'll start reading us some of your work. Yes, and, of course, when Helen suggested mm. that, I she cracked cries. my dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Yes. Thank you. Well, isn't that what it's all about? Yes. Yeah. That's the best – I think that's the best way to engage with people. So, so the story that I wrote, I ended up performing live – on stage for the first time to an audience of like 500 people and I remember uh, standing on the side of the stage and being like oh god I really wish I'd pick something less personal and Maeve Marsden who's the host was like too late now and just like pushed gently pushed me onto the stage wow so you have to you have to do it it's where was that what was it at a festival um so that's at queer stories I should probably mention yeah we'll we'll, we'll put the link in yeah Yeah. so that's um that's we're queer friendly yeah well it's a beautiful storytelling night so I think um, like a big part of it is believing in the power of stories. So wow. a lot of it is um, like Maeve's brilliant. So she carved this night out, which is just like a space for LGBTQI plus people yep. to share stories about their lives. Wow, not, it's not all just about coming out. It's all yeah, kinds just of stories. Yeah. They want to share. And you go and you laugh and you cry together and then she puts it on the podcast um, and ah. it's been going for a couple of years now, but it's been massively popular. Okay, Not wonderful. Surprised. So yeah. we could share your, could we share an audio of your story? Yeah, it's on oh. the podcast. I think I'm like number 115 or something. Okay, we will seek you out. Yeah. Fantastic. We'll put the link in so people can listen. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. I'll yeah. listen on my morning oh, thank walk. You. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's, that's, that is really brave. And yeah, I'm going to do a mini version of that next week. Yes, um, do it. I cannot recommend it. will okay. make your writing much stronger. All right. I'll, I'll take the brave vibes from you and I'll do it. Tara. Good. Yes. Yes. Very good. good. So Tara was my medicine today. <laughs> Tara. Yeah. Tara is the diagnosis. She's the medicine. It's good. I've been infused. It's, it's Thank great. You. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Unless anyone's got any last thoughts or shout outs, no other recommendations, anything else? Jonah's gone. Jonah's, yeah, been a bit too cool. There's a yeah. cool photo I'll share in the group of Jonah. Literally was the receptionist today. He just had a real look of... <laughs> You may pass, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He was out there. Um, <laughs> Gave so, me my guest pass. Exactly. Checked, checked everyone in. Yep. Yeah. Your lanyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, we will end it there. And thank you again, Tara, for being thank our very my first pleasure. guest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That Wonderful. was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right. And we'll um, see slash hear. No, you'll hear us next time. Yeah. So bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. bye.